Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join today. He's a lifestyle mindset coach, former Australian Army member and combat engineer. It's Joey Kennedy. How are you doing today, Joey? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Uh, I grew up around Western Sydney. Actually, I was listening to another one of your shows. It's another dude. I think it's like a couple or something. Western Sydney as well but like um yeah Western Sydney I didn't really get any like direction um any good role models or anything so I spent most of my time just I was kind of half at school and like getting drunk and smoking weed and and I was kind of I kind of knew I was going to join the army so I was just like what else am I going to do and yeah so I hit 18 finished school and then one day my dad came comes in he he comes in he's like you're going up to Brisbane to meet your sister because I never met her before and you're going to go and live with her. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, don't take the good suitcase because you're not coming back. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And so, <laughs> and so yeah, I lived with her for a bit while she helped me get into the army. And I joined as like a supply coordinator originally, which is like kind of like warehousing. And because it was the first job available, I was just like, I just need somewhere to go. And I remember sitting on the bus, like, on the way there, and I was 18, and I was, like, 65 kilos. I don't know how many pounds that is. But, like, and there was all these big dudes around. It was, like, 60 of us. And I was, like, oh, I'm not meant to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, 25 of us got through, like, that course. But I think my advantage was that I just had nowhere else to go, so I just wasn't going to quit. But, yeah, that was kind of my intro into the Army. As you were growing up, was it hard for you to find a passion in something like an activity or like kind of go do something? And that's maybe why you went in a certain direction with kind of like drugs, alcohol, things like that. Um, I think like nothing really interests me. Like there was like little sports and stuff going on around me, but I just like I was never into it. Um, I wasn't that into school because I was like, what's the point? And I was basically always just kind of like looking for connection with people because um, I just wasn't getting it at home. But I didn't grow up like poor, but I was never really given anything. And so I was just kind of always searching for love, you know, and I just kind of never got it. You talked about not really caring about school. If you talked about earlier, also, you didn't have like a role model. Do you think a role model would have helped you maybe kind of focus in maybe on school or finding that new direction? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I was always seeking it, looking for a mentor. Then I'd find a mentor and be like, oh, this guy's got it. This guy's got the answers. And then I'd be like, oh, he's kind of killing it this area. But then you'd just be drinking every day or someone else has some other problem. You're like, okay, they're not really that great of a mentor. Um, so I think like, there's not enough, like, good role models, like, now. And so I think after my experiences, I was like, especially on my army stuff, I was like, oh, man, if I just had someone who had been through it, and could like give me guidance that would have been like awesome and so I was never getting it there was no one I could really look up to fully and so I was like I need to become that person to give that away to other people when you're getting involved in those activities with drugs and alcohol was there something that was influencing the younger demographic to kind of go into that or were you influenced to kind of go in those directions because you wanted to be maybe cool or fit in with a certain group um i think just because like at that time it was just like it was very like normal like, drinking is pretty big in australia I'm, like now i'm in the uk but like 
drinking's huge here as well. And it's just like, seems like there's something you do. So you just kind of like, whatever money we could get, we'd just go and try and get alcohol and um, just get off your face, basically. It's just escape reality. That's what I think it was. And I feel like um, even now people do that now all the time, you know, like that's my escapism, you know, is just like hitting the bottle. I think that's similar to here in the States, especially not much as a young age, like under 21, it's illegal, but those kids, they kind of just want to experience it to say that, oh, I did try it. And then when they get to 21, they're like, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. But I was not that way. I was like, keep me away from it. And I don't even drink that much, but it's popular here in the States. All everywhere you go, there's alcohol everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, now I don't. Like, I think where I was growing up, it was very, like, um, very normal. Even, like, younger kids were drinking and stuff. I remember, like, 13, and I came home, like, drunk. And then my mum was like, oh, are you drunk? And I'm, like, holding, like, like a, it was like a goon bag. It was, like a cast wine kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I was smoking a cigarette as well. And she's like, are you smoking? And I'm like, oh, no. And she's like, oh, I'm not holding your hair back. And then that was it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not even in trouble. But like, <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty, it was very normal, like kind of growing up. Did your parents kind of have a good relationship with you? Like, were you guys able to get along? Because you mentioned that you didn't know you had a sister. And so did they not tell you about those kind of things? Or they were just more protecting you in a way? Well, I've got like, three siblings so I've got like my brother who I grew up with and he's a year older than me and then I've got like two older siblings like a brother and a sister but there's like a 20 year gap I kind of knew I I knew I like I had a brother and sister like I got told I did but like I think I only met him like once growing up so I didn't I didn't like that was like strangers kind of thing but that was good like she took me in and everything but um yeah now now I'm like pretty close to him like um now that I've kind of grown up and stuff and then my parents, it was like, my dad was pretty, uh, I don't think it was that, like, he, he grew up worse than I did. So, like, we kind of, part, not that it's right, like, pass on things. And it was a bit chaotic growing up with him because my mum gave up custody of me when I was, like, five. They got a divorce and I lived with him. And I saw my mum, like, once every couple of weeks or something. But... Yeah, so not not like the best upbringing, but not the worst either. You do you think things would be different if you were living with your mom more than with your dad? Uh, so I think it would be the same result. I don't think um, either of them treated me. They both treated me better than what they were treated. Um, but I don't think I would have got the guidance at either home. When you dad told you that don't take the good suitcase because you're not coming back. Were you worried (laughs) that now I'm going to have to be on my own? I don't know what to expect. What am I going to do to stay financially stable? Things like that. Oh, I just didn't care. Like I was just like, I think I left school. It was like, I think it was a month after um, I actually got kicked out. But I remember it was like the Call of Duty days and I would stay up to like 5am playing Call of Duty and then like sleep all day. And I was just, I, I just, I wasn't even thinking what I'm going to do with myself. Besides, like, I'll probably end up joining the army. And, um, yeah, and then he didn't take me to, like, the airport. He took me to his train station. And I wasn't that experienced even catching trains. And um, 
and literally like catching a flight and stuff. And he's like, just be your own man. And I'm like, all right, see ya. <laughs> because it wasn't any love there. Like, oh, sorry, you're good, you're good to go. It was kind of, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to like, I don't know. I, I think I had too much um, emotional baggage towards him at that stage to really care that he was kicking me out. See, I can relate to the 5 a.m. staying up playing video games all the time. But <laughs> I mean, can't do that now or I'm not going to be able to stay awake all day. Yeah, exactly. Well, now it's uh, I wake up at 3 a.m. every day. Oh, no, no, can't do that. Except yeah. I will say I have been waking <laughs> up at 6 a.m. So I yeah. probably should stay up till 5 a.m., get an hour of sleep. Boom, I'm ready to go. <laughs> when you arrived at the next destination for you, what was that next step? What did you end up doing? How did that go? What were you thinking in that way? Um, like arrived when I got kicked out or like yes. army or I was kicked out. I was in Brisbane and I was with my sister. She, we got along pretty good, and I had a brother-in-law, and he, which I was surprised that he took me in because he didn't even know me. Um, so he was a really good dude. Um, yeah, but they were, they were kind of like you need to kind of sort out your stuff, and I was like, yeah, okay. And then they helped me kind of do all the paperwork and stuff to get in the army. And the supply coordinator came up as like the first um, job role without like the shortest amount of time to get into. And so I took that one. Um, yeah, then I was off to the army. What is the biggest thing you wanted to learn during your time in the army before you even got started? What was something you wanted to learn maybe about yourself or in that kind of industry? Um, I basically want to learn how to like, I want to like, um, basically learn how to be a man. I think like, I didn't feel like I was, uh, I had no purpose and I felt like at that time I was like, you know, I'm going to be a soldier, you know, because that's going to give me my purpose. That's going to tickle my boxes and I have somewhere to go, you know. Um, but that that bubble eventually popped like while I was during my career. But like, yeah, at that time I was I was thinking that that was the answer. Now, during your time in the army, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself? Um, probably that all your happiness is literally internal. Like regardless if you're external, like you're the only one who can make you happy. No job's going to make you happy. No amount of money. Like I've had a good income and I've had like no money at all. Like it's all internal. It's actually it, came, good... it took a long time to like get to that. I think a lot of people nowadays can kind of are going through that similar way where maybe a job isn't fulfilling happiness for them but something in their life is keeping them motivated, keeping them happy to still go at it and still rise to the challenge through that tough job that they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, kind of like, that's the big thing I learned. Cause like when I switched to like um, being a combat engineer, I ended up injuring, injuring myself and I, I messed my back up and I was out and exercise. And um, yeah. So like my, I couldn't feel my left leg. And I knew it was bad. And like that, that just spun me into like a massive depression. Cause like it, I spent like a few years really training and becoming a common engineer. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for special forces. I'm going to do all these things. And I was training like a maniac. Like I stopped drinking on the weekends. I was just up. Like I remember being at old base and it was like, because of my first job was like an av- aviation place. It was like connected to the airport. So I'd be walking to like, not the main runways, but the one right, runways used for like, um, like near the ones that used for like the Air Force. 
I'll be walking up there with like a big pack on, just like training like all night. Um, so I was like super into it. So that became like my full on identity. And so, yeah, when I hurt myself and I knew I was my career done. Were you worried that maybe there wasn't going to be a chance to come back after recovery through your um, injury? Uh, at the start, I was like, I was kind of in denial a bit. And then I was like, I lost all my confidence, like massively lost confidence. And I knew that my career was probably done because it's like I had some nerve damage and it was just like the doctors are like, oh, we, you know, it's not going to get like much better and it's probably going to get worse, if anything. Um, and so, yeah, and then the treatment by my unit, because I was injured, they make they do this to everyone. So it was like, if you're injured, you'd have to like stand in front of everyone where everyone's doing like PT in the mornings and just stand there and watch them. And they do that to like message you um, to be like, you know, don't be injured. And so eventually you become a bit of an outcast in your unit. And usually it's temporary, but if you've got like an injury that's going to kick you out of the army, um, well, that just comes like in your new life, you know? Um, yeah. And then eventually I fought back against it and that massively done me over. Then all of a sudden you'd have like duties, which is not your usual Monday to Friday. Besides like going away and stuff, like if you're at your army barracks, you'd usually go Monday to Friday and you could get a duty on the weekend, which takes up your whole weekend. I had like four months in a row every single weekend. And oh, they, were, they were really trying to get me because I started to kind of um, kind of defend myself for my treatment. I don't feel, feel like it was justified. That's just my experience. That's not like the entire army. That's just like my unit at that time. That was my experience. So I'm not going to like say too much about the army and like negatively, but my experience is negative. You mentioned that you went through a depression. What kind of, kind of things did you go through? Was it hard to kind of maybe talk to someone about what you were going through because maybe they couldn't relate and it was kind of boiling inside? Yeah, it was like um, lost enjoyment for everything. Um, I was looking for happiness in all the same places I was losing it. So I turned to alcohol again. I was on pain medication. I just abused that just all the time. And um, and I was in a relationship at that time. Um, and it, she was like cheating on me, which I knew she was cheating on me. But like I had no company. So I was just like, I just accepted it. And I was just like, whatever. And I felt very worthless. And if I tried to, like, I had some few good mates and stuff, but, like, it, people just couldn't relate, you know? So I'll be like, I just don't see any enjoying anything. They're like, I'll oh, just get out there and do this. It's just like, well, no. And then I feel, like, weird again because um, I know I should be having fun now, but I'm not enjoying myself, you know? And even when I, I was going to, like, therapy and stuff, and it was just like, even a lot of the psychs, because I was just like, what the hell are you talking about? But, like, yeah. So it was definitely hard to relate. But like now when I'm coaching now, it's like a lot of people can relate to it. And even when I was in the army and I was going through, um, I ended up going to soldier recovery center, which is like a center just for um, soldiers who were injured if you were going to leave eventually kind of thing. And luckily they took me in because I ended up on like, I'm kind of skipping around a bit. But yeah, during that period, I think it was like a six months, eight months or something of just massive depression going from my unit. And I ended up on suicide watch um, in, like, the military hospital. And, 
yeah, and I was and I was smoking cigarettes and stuff at that time. And outside for a smoke, and they came out. They're like, "You can't smoke in here." And I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna keep smoking." And they're like, oh, "We're gonna call you unit." And I was like, "Go for it." And they came down and stuff. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And like, "You're gonna get charged. All these things gonna happen to you if you like don't comply, kind of thing." And I was like, "I just tried to kill myself. I don't care what you do to me." But luckily, um, the Solid Recovery Center kind of took me in away from my unit because that would have been all bad if that like kind of kept escalating. Um, but in there was like, what I noticed was there's a bunch of dudes, like soldiers who were injured and all of them had some type of mental health problem. And, but they're all really good dudes, you know, like they're all struggling with depression, but they're really good people. And p- people found it easy to talk to me because I could relate, you know? And from that, I just like, I think I, I took like, Two, oh yeah, I took two people to like hospital about to kill themselves as well. And I already lost a mate in that time from suicide and suicide's really big in the army. So yeah. Was there a time where when you were at that moment smoking a cigarette where that was more important than you as an individual, like staying help, trying to get better in a way? Cause you told, you just mentioned that unless that recovery hospital took you in, you didn't know what path you were going to be going because you didn't care at that time because you were going through a lot internally. Yeah, it was kind of like a, um, like at that, at that time I was just massively suicidal and then the unit became like, which was originally like my purpose, which became like my enemy kind of thing. And I was just like, what else can you take from me? You know, like I've lost everything. I've lost my health. I'm in pain every day. I'm emotionally in pain. Um, there's nothing else you can do to me. If you were going to get discharged, did you kind of feel that it might have could have gone downhill more because you didn't know where to go? Because being in the army was something that you wanted to do and you maybe didn't have that backup plan ready to go. Um, yeah, I think when like you're in that state, you're not really thinking too rationally or about your future because you, you're feeling that negative that um, you're not worried about tomorrow, you know? Um, yeah. So uh, it's a tough one, but like, yeah. How long did it take for you to recover? Like, how are you feeling now from that injury back then? Oh, I'm massively, massively better. So once I was at the soldier recovery center, like I decided to keep living and um through them and I started fostering animals and I was like okay I'll keep going just to keep fostering animals and because I was like in the in the army system I was medically downgraded which means like you can't do anything and by that time I served my four years Mm -hmm. but I wasn't allowed to leave because it's like um it's like you, you, you completed your contract but you have to like be processed now because you're medically kind of downgraded you're gonna be medically discharged now and so, but you don't know an end date. No one around you knows when that's that's going to happen. And yeah, so you're kind of just waiting. It kind of just felt like a prison at that time. But I knew that if I could like improve myself while I'm in this state, then I can teach others to do the same. 
Did you feel that you were gaining more confidence in yourself and that there's more that you can offer? Because you just mentioned that you wanted to be able to help others. So this was kind of that stepping stone in that direction. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, kind of like, if I could conquer my own pain, then I could teach others to do the same. And during that time, I like, I put on like 20 kilos and you know, I, I was heavy. I was looking, I was just finding like pleasure, just pleasure chasing all the time. And then every time I ate that trash food or I got drunk and I wake up hungover, I'll just be like, what am I doing? You know, like this is making me feel so much worse. And so once I started to kind of get rid of everything that was making me more unhappy, that's when I kind of, my moods and my depression kind of like, kind of got a bit less emotionally painful. And then during like, I started to like get back into working out with what I could do. And during that time, it gave me some temporary relief from my pain and I stopped taking painkillers and stuff. And it took a long time, but it was like, what else was I going to do? I was going to like continually be depressed, accept that I'm injured. I'm never going to be better. Um, or I'm going to start building the person that I admire. So then I can give that away. What's the biggest thing fitness has taught you about yourself? Uh, it's just a feeling like before I train and I'd, it'd be a bit more probably egotistical. Um, now it's, it's just like, it's just escaping that negativity. So when I wake up now, I wake up at three. I don't ask any of my clients to ever wake up at three, but like, I just believe that leaders should do more. And so I wake up at three. And I, I wake up a bit negative and I'm like, ah, what am I doing? And then I go to the gym and during that workout, I find my answers each day. I overcome my pain and then I'm ready to start today on like a big win, you know? So it's just all about the feeling and all about the mindset. I can definitely agree with that. I had a hard time with myself getting into fitness because I'm like, it's too much work. I'm I felt lazy mm. in myself and this whole last year has been a whole big change for me and I feel better. I have a better positive, clear mind and fitness is, even if you do like a short amount of time doing it, it just feels so rewarding. Like you're getting something out of it. You may not see like the changes right away, but you're just happy that I did this. I accomplished my goal for the day. I reached that mile marker that I want to um run to things like that. So the feeling when you mentioned that I was thinking in my own experience, that's how I am when it comes to fitness. I'm not the most jacked looking person, but to me, it's how I feel, how, what I want to do with that. Yeah. It's like the, um, the work is in the work. So like, so when you're working on yourself, you're teaching yourself that you work, you're, you're worth something, you know? And then it's like learning to kind of trust your own word. It's like, um if you say to yourself i'm gonna work out every single day this week like do you trust yourself to follow that and then if you if you don't then it's like well if you can't trust your word how can anyone else trust your word you know so when did you make the move to the united kingdom um this is my second time like living here now but once i finally got discharged out of the army i was just like i just want to travel um and so I went to the UK, done some of the like odd jobs and stuff. 
I was kind of like, nothing really interested me that much. I kind of just realized what I didn't want to do. And I was kind of like to work for anybody. And yeah. And then when COVID started, um, I went back to Australia and I knew the lockdowns were coming. And so I ended up importing a bunch of gym equipment and yeah. And then, but then the thing was like, I wasn't, money just didn't do anything for me. Like it's money's a useful tool, but like, I did, I just wasn't getting that much fulfillment. I was getting more fulfillment out of like, like someone would buy gym equipment and I wouldn't know what they're doing and I'll explain it to them. And then I was like, okay, I feel better. Like the interactions I liked a bit more. And so I decided to like, I mean, I would try, I would try my luck at coaching and, but I wanted to do it for the right reasons. And so there was like, Australia was doing that big lockdown where it's like, you couldn't leave the country or anything. And then as soon as they said that, I was like, I'm going to try and leave the country. And so I went on like a work away website and it was like volunteering, helping youth in Edinburgh. And I thought if I could do that for free for six months, then I'll do coaching, you know? When you were living in the United Kingdom, was it kind of like a way to feel like you didn't have like certain baggage back in Australia or like the memories were there, but it's a new fresh start in a new spot? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like a fresh start. And it's just like, uh, it's hard to explain to people, but it's like kind of like a bit of a calling. Like I just wasn't settled in Australia. Even when I went back to the second time, I was just like, uh, nothing um it just doesn't feel right I was just like itching to go again and so yeah I just knew I had to leave again and when I, I realized a lot when I was when I was alone in solitude or like traveling by myself I reflected more and so I was growing as a person faster it sounds like when you mentioned it was your calling to go to like travel across the world and things like that, it's kind of shows like kind of your mindset has kind of gains even more through the time after the army, you kind of had a mission, you kind of had a passion to go in a certain direction. Do you feel that now where you are today, that you have a purpose of what you're doing, you have that mission and that message that you're trying to bring to like your clients? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it was like, it took a long time to like get to this point now. I think it's been like over four years of continuously working on myself every day. Um, and then just kind of like, it's like kind of like scales a bit. It's like my biggest problems were like escapism and which, which I do that with like drugs, alcohol, even video games and stuff. I just do that all day for like got the opportunity. And so you kind of like scale down those are your big problems, you scale those down and then your other smaller problems like deep-seated problems come up and you kind of like work on them next but like yeah it's all a big process and then you realize that like that voice in the morning it's like oh you, sh- you should lose weight like that's not really you it's more your conscience you know mm-hmm. being like be better and then you like operate between the line of like your conscience talking to you of like you should be doing these things oh, I, I, for those days you're like i've got all this stuff to do i'm gonna ignore it like that's your conscience talking to you, telling you how to be better kind of thing. And then you operate between the line of conscience and like you regret and like anything you regret, just get rid of, you know? There are so many coaches out there with lifestyle coaches, mindset coaches. What makes you kind of that person that people should 
try out or kind of learn your techniques? Uh, well, basically, I mean, just because I, I lived it, you know, like I've lived through like the dark times. I don't, like, I was, I was thinking I'd talk about it a bit more in this call and I was like, nah, it's no point. But like certain people resonate with like, um, because I can relate to like the, all the depression and everything and I can relate to all the fitness stuff. And it's basically like, oh, sorry, I lost train of thought. But like, um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm more like, I like the mindset kind of stuff and like getting people to kind of make the changes and attaching more meaning to it. So if I wanted to train and I was like, oh, I just want to get bigger biceps, I would fail like after a few weeks. And that's what you see all the time because there's no um, deeper attention like attached to it. So it's like, I'm going to improve myself so I can like my girl or my future partner whatever it is, like they deserve better and I'm going to sacrifice for them, you know, but different people need different kinds of um, motivations, but it's like attaching deeper meaning. I like that you mentioned relatability because I am so on for that. I'm going through my journey as a diabetic and I can talk to other diabetics because they know what we're both going through and things like that. Yeah, so exactly. You talk about your story. I think that's so important because people want to know that that person has gone through those struggles. They've gone through those challenges and that they have gotten to where they are today because they've rise to the challenge. So they can connect with you more. If I'm going through someone in fitness that is not a diabetic, they're going to have a harder Mm. time knowing the struggles I'm going through and think, oh, it's just excuses. It's like, I know what I'm going through. And so other diabetics that are in fitness, they know what to do because we're going through that similar. So I appreciate that you were so open about that because I think that's truly something that you stand out with is you've gone through something and people can connect and see the positive vibes that you now are showing every one of your clients. Yeah, exactly. And like, like originally I was getting into it and I actually got like my own coach and he was really good. And, um, and then, then I was like, man, I should just like start to do coaching like should I do coaching and I was kind of naturally already a bit of a counselor to people around me and I was kind of coaching people a lot without realizing it and I'd give people and I was selling gym equipment workout plans mm-hmm. just to do it for them um like I wouldn't ask for any money or anything I'm just like oh I can tell you like you need help and so yeah and then I got a, like a bit of doubt about it I was like the market saturated blah blah, blah. and then like my missus now she she's she, she, like she'd show me and like like this is like one of the nutritionists who's like in this area and he was overweight like talking about nutrition and i'm like fuck like you gotta at least live it you know like i can't teach people about um fitness and discipline if i don't live it you know yep and so i think you've really got to live what you preach like personify the teachings have you been working with clients locally or has it been international with other countries uh, international actually my first couple were um from australia so. oh <laughs> yeah I was like, okay cool but um yeah this on this online have you ever thought about trying to grow it even more than what you have today your yeah, pro, definitely your like coaching and all that yeah yeah i think it's going to just keep growing like um 
like I'm only like still kind of new to actually getting paid to coach you know I was coaching for a, a, like the last few years but I was just never wanted money for it and now I was like okay if I can do it full time um I can coach more people and now I'm structured it like a lot better where I can like handle more clients um yeah I think it'll just keep kind of grow as I grow and well what I think I love about it is like you only get paid your worth you know mm-hmm. so um yeah so I've got to like give results and then that's kind of like you get rewarded for like the value you bring so I, I really like that about it you talked about the mental health that struggles that you've gone through where are you today with that are you able to cope if you have a certain struggle that you're going through then before or how has that been for you uh now it's complete 180 yeah like no nah, I got really good stress management now um but it, again it just takes time it, it takes time and like work on yourself instilling like those habits like I think that everyone's looking for the hack all the time how do I feel better or like how do I get the bigger muscles anything it is but like we're always looking for the quick fix and the hack but it's it's there's no hacks it's only habits so once you correct your habits um that's when you see a change because we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result or like, why am I unhappy? And then you're drinking every single weekend or you're, you're eating these trashy foods all day and then wondering why you feel so crap. And then like once people start that, like they, they jump on the kind of fitness train or something and they go, okay, I'm going to eat clean for this amount of time. They start doing it. They feel better. And then once like they kind of ruin their diet, um and had that cheat meal or something and they feel bad they're like ah well that's regret talking to you but you regret not being your best self and so everyone i've seen has like little kind of breaks in their trajectory but like yeah i feel like it's like you you have to do it what's it what's your choice you're gonna like um continuously be unhappy and never realize what's making you unhappy are you gonna start get rid of some of the stuff that's making you unhappy and realize that you can actually control how you feel and then your self-awareness increases as like you adhere to your conscience like more and more when you're working with a client what's the one biggest thing that you want them to maybe realize understand what they're going through or kind of be honest about with you um So like what what do I want them to understand? So like, sometimes sometimes like clients will maybe not admit they kind of will put a facade on. They kind of will hide maybe the truth because they don't they maybe are worried that it might not be the outcome that they wish that they had. And you kind of as a coach want them to be upfront and honest with you because that helps you understand what they're going through and things like that. But what do you hope that they do to help make sure that you help them to the fullest potential? Just be honest and accountable. Like if you mess up, this is like, ah, I messed up. And it's just like, okay, how do you feel that you, how do you messed up? And it's like, ah, I feel crap compared to last week when I was killing it. And it's like, okay, well, there we go. You already know the answer. So just like adhering to it and then just um, admitting when you, when you break, when it's obvious, if I jump on a call to, to someone 
and they've been messing up. It's obvious. And so it's a different type of energy. And so that's what I was talking about before when I wake up and go to the gym is that sort of massively creates my energy. So like my missus deserves the best version of me. And so I'm going to correct my energy before she even gets up. And so she never even sees me on a low, you know? And so it's just like not making it about you. And so you, when you have good energy, that's contagious to everyone around you. And so that's like one of my biggest motivations to, like to kind of change when I was massively depressed was at that time, I was like, I'm so selfish, you know, why am I making this so about me, you know? And so just making it not about you. Like if you want to change something, you're struggling to stay motivated. Just don't make it about you. Every time you're about to quit, just say, oh, am I going to quit my family? Am I going to quit my kids who deserve like this dad that they admire? And attach that deep meaning to it. And then every time you're about to quit, it's so much harder to quit when you have the right intentions attached to it. Has there been anything during these last maybe a couple of years with the pandemic, kind of like a new passion project that you kind of want to hopefully do in the future? What's a passion project? So <laughs> this show, I will say, was a passion project for me. Didn't even know it was going to happen, but the pandemic kind of opened the doors to let me be able to do it. Is there something over time that you're like, I wish I did that, but maybe I need to wait a little bit to do this? Kind of like something fun that you want to do, or maybe a new kind of job or kind of something like that. Um. I feel like I'm already kind of doing it like and I kind of like know that just for like how I feel when I do things. So like when I'm on a call to a client or I'm like working on myself, because only so much time. It's like if I'm feeling a bit negative and I hit the ground and start doing as many push-ups as I can, eventually I feel positive, you know, and like so I, I've got the awareness to go, OK, I can kind of control how I feel. And when I get my kind of relief from my own pain is like helping other people. If I can't get it physically because I'm too tired or whatever, if I help someone else, I'll I'll cure my own pain. And so, yeah, I don't really get much enjoyment out of um, anything else really besides like the positive action and helping other people. So I feel like that's my calling. That's what I'm being called to do. Well, that's awesome to hear that you're you enjoy what you're doing and that's kind of fulfilling your goals that you want. So that's great. What does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish personally and professionally in the next few years? Um, I just want to just keep it here into my conscience every day, like, and just keep like serving other people. Like that's that's what all I want to do. Like most, like, well, not probably not most, but like a lot of people I'm talking to every day are not even my clients. You know, they're inquiring or they're asking for advice, and it's just like. I'll give you all the advice. Like if you hit me up on my Instagram or whatever, I'll tell you and like tell you what to do basically. But if you want like a personalized plan, that's when you're okay, join my program. But yeah. like, that's what gives me kind of fulfillment. So I'm not really looking to gain that much besides like what happiness I can bring those around me. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Think about everything that you admire 
or anything that you wish you had in someone else and become it so then you can give that to the like, people around you. Joey, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe to all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.